I don't know how to do this thing. There we go. That's good. How's everyone today? One good? Get this on here. Cold? Get warmed up. Yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful. What a what a great worship service this morning so far, and um, just to to be able to gather in your name and and worship you and and spirit and song, God, and it's just been it's been beautiful. It's been great, and just love how how you use Rachel and her team to to lead us into your presence. And we know your presence is here, but to draw our eyes and our our hearts to you uh, through song and through your scripture and uh, just just pray you encourage her today God and she does such a marvelous job I, I haven't been able to to be around her for for several years and it's just just once again it's a good reminder uh, just how talented um, you have blessed her and with and just praise you for her father and thank you father for this opportunity to be able to just to be able to come and and worship and gather in your name and open up your word and sing together, commune together. Lord, I, I don't know where how everyone's week has been. I don't know where everyone's been and I don't know what their stories are, but you do. And you, you came, you are here, um, and you want to meet with the people here today. Uh, so Father, may, may people just simply be encouraged and uplifted by your word and by being together here in your name. We pray for your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so we're, we're finally down to our last two sermons uh, in this series. If you're a visitor this morning, we have been preaching a, a sermon series entitled Angels We Have Heard on High. And we have been looking at the messages that the angels gave to the characters in the Christmas story. And so far, we, have, we basically have looked at two characters. In week one, we looked at the message given to, to Zechariah. And last week, we looked at the first message. I think he had two or three messages, actually. But we only had time of one of the first messages given to, to Joseph. Well, today, uh, we're going to look at Mary. And Mary's message takes place in, in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And friends, to, to keep it simple today, which, you know, I think all the messages have been pretty simple, we're simply going to point out three big truths, three simple truths found in our text today. And hopefully these truths of God's Word will encourage and uplift your hearts this morning. So let's get started by reading Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Here's what it says. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, well, how can this be since I'm a virgin? 
And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave, the bondservant of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So from this text, we're going to point out three simple truths this morning. Now, the first truth that we're going to point out goes really just beyond Mary. It it goes beyond Mary, it goes beyond Joseph. I mean, this same point that we're going to point out could apply to Abraham, it could apply to to Isaac and to Jacob, to Joseph, to Moses, to Joshua, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, John the Baptist, Paul, basically all those who God used in the New Testament and Old Testament and who God uses today. The same point will apply to all of us. But, but what is this point? What does this first point simply show? It shows us that God works with people. Amen. It's as simple as that. He works with people. God works with people who ultimately will work with Him. And God not only works with people, but He also works through people to accomplish His purposes. And he's doing it once again in our text this morning. God is going to use Mary in a very, very unique way and will never happen again. He's going to work through Mary to accomplish a major purpose of his. And God reveals this truth to Mary. But look at what was said to Mary by this angel. Now, folks, as we said in in sermon number one, if an angel of the Lord appears to us, we better stop what we're doing and listen. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining that we all would stop and be scared to death, but we better listen up, right? Because he's, he's appearing or they're appearing for a reason. But look, look at Luke 1 again, starting in verse 28. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. So the angel calls her favored one. The angel says to her, hey, the Lord, he is with you. He instructs her not to be afraid, for she has found favor with God. Now this greeting... This greeting that Mary received from the angel, obviously, it was very special. And here's why. And we've got to go back to the time period. Well, this time period that took place, that this took place in this particular culture, rank and status within society really determined on how one should have been greeted. And as we know... Was Mary anyone special? I mean, she was young, very young. And she was more than likely a peasant girl. I mean, she, she more than likely wasn't what we would call well-educated. And on top of that, women and children in this particular time period were not really looked at with, as having any kind of social status at all. And that's probably why the text says that she was greatly troubled by Gabriel's words. And not only that, but 
Well, an angel's talking to, talking to her. She was greatly troubled. And she wondered what, what kind of greeting this might be. So she more than likely perhaps didn't really consider herself to be, to be one to be greeted in such a high, high manner. But God lets her know. God lets her know through the, his angel that, uh, how he feels about her. In fact, God has a spe- very special, unique plan for her life. But friends, once again, here's what we're noticing. We're noticing we see a God that is communicating to a human being. We see a God who's revealing his plans, what he's up to, to another human being. We see a God who is, who is working with his and within his creation. So what does this reveal about God? Well, it reveals that God is not some deistic God who's basically created this world and has simply left it to run all by itself. I mean, when we read the pages of Scripture, the Bible shows us a very different God, doesn't it? We see a God who speaks directly to humans. We see a God who cares about what happens in this world. He cares about what's happening in your world, in my world. He cares about what human beings do. I mean, we see and read. How sin, it stirs his anger and it stirs his wrath. He cares if we worship him or not. We see a God who grieves. We see a God who feels. We see a God who cares. He's not some deistic God who's basically, poof, created this world and he's hands off. No, we see the opposite. He's in this world. He cares about this world. We even see a God who, who provides and He watches over the animals. I mean, think about that. If He watches over the animals and He provides and He cares for the animals, does He not much more care about you and me? Of course He does. I mean, look at Job 38. Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait in their lair? Who prepares for the raven its nourishment when its young cry to God and wonder about without food? And then Job 39, do you not know, do you know this time, the time the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Can you count the months they fulfill? Or do you know the time that they give birth? They kneel down, they bring forth their young, they get rid of their labor pains, their offspring become strong, they grow up in the open field, they leave and do not return to them. I mean, God knows the details. And ultimately... Ultimately, we, we see a God who, who cared enough for you and me, for lost people, for lost sinners, that He sent His, His one and only Son to come, to die, so that they could have life and He could put this world back in right as it was intended to be. We know this Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. The bottom line is this. God cares for His world and for those that dwell on it. That's ultimately why you see Him working with His servants on earth to accomplish His will. His purposes. 
And here's what's really cool. He works through you. He wants to work through you. He works through me. Are we any better or worse than Mary? No! Are we any less sinful than, than Peter the Apostle? I'm not. Just ask Sheila. She'll be here later. Ask her. She'll tell you. I mean, do we really deserve... Listen to this carefully. Do we really deserve or are we entitled to serve in the kingdom of God? Friends, that's a big no. Does God need us as if He needed something? Does He need us in order to accomplish His will? He doesn't. But does He want us? Absolutely. He wants you to be in relationship with Him. He wants to use you. He wants to put you back to rights through Jesus, through His Holy Spirit. And He wants to use you in this world that He's created. Because yes, He's got talent in you that He wants to use for Him and for His glory. And here's the sweet thing. If we're in Christ Jesus this morning, folks, His Holy Spirit does live within us. And He uses us to be His hands and His feet, His mouthpieces. He uses us to to be His heart to this lost and dying world. That's what's cool. And the Holy Spirit, He's not an it. He's not a force. He is the living God living in you and me. And He's the one that equips and empowers us and His church to be his hands and his feet and his mouthpieces. Now, Mary's response is is certainly appropriate for all of us. She says in verse 38, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. And then we see the angel departed from her. What a great response from Mary. Folks, Mary's not worthy to be worshipped. There's only one. But we see someone who really sets a bar of our response to God when He calls us to do something. What a great response from her. It basically, she's basically saying, Yes, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. May your will be done. I'm yours. I mean, shouldn't that be our response today? God wants us to work with Him. And He will work with us. And through His, He will work with His servants here on earth to accomplish His will on earth. But we need to be willing. We need to be willing. So that's, that's our, our first point we see. Once again, in this story, we see a God talking, communicating with a human being. And you know why He's talking to you today? He's talking to me today. How will we respond? That's point number one. Now the second truth is, is basically seen in the content of the angel's message to Mary. And this is basically found in, in verses 31 through 35. And friends, this, this content really could be a whole... <laughs> It could be a whole year's worth of sermons. It could be at least a whole series of sermons. But but who is this message from the the angel primarily about? It's not about Mary. But is it about who is it about? 
It's not about Mary, but it's not about Mary. Is it about the, the one whom Mary will bring into the world? Who's the focus, Mary or the baby? Well, it's the baby, right? And here's where the second truth comes in. This baby, this baby that was born from Mary was no ordinary child, right? So listen to what the angel says about this particular baby that Mary will bear and have. Luke 1, 32, he will be great and he will be called the, the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. This is kingship language, folks. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Think about that. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Luke 1.35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. So look what these verses say about this child. The angel says he will be great. The angel says he will be called the, the son of the Most High. The angel says that he will be the king. The Lord will give him the father, uh, the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of, of David. How long? Forever. His kingdom. How long is his kingdom? It will have no end. Kingship talk. Scripture says that Jesus, He is indeed the, the King of kings, and He is indeed the Lord of lords. The angel calls this baby in verse 35, the holy offspring. I mean, this child is, is from divinity origin. This child is from everlasting to everlasting. This child would commit no sin in his entire life. Mary, this child is holy. And he's holy because he's God. He's holy because he's God. And, and listen to what the angel tells Joseph in Matthew's account about this child. In Matthew 1.21 where it says, She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. So this child that Mary would bring into the world would be the child that would save the world from their sins, from its sins, from the power of, of death. The power of sin. This child conquered sin through death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, listen to what the angels communicate to the shepherds, which we'll look at next week, while they were out in their fields. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the angels call this child the Savior. The angel called this child Christ the Lord. So we see this truth coming out in our text today. This child that Mary was going to have was no ordinary child. This child was special, right? And there are tons of other scriptures, and we could spend all day quoting a ton, that testify to the specialness of this child. I'll just read a few of them. John 8, 58, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, Jesus says, I am. Ooh. They knew exactly what he meant by that, folks. 
Colossians 1.19, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Colossians 2.9, for in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Two more, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things came into being by Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being as come into being, and Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I mean, take a look at Philippians chapter 2. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself. I mean, this child was and is God. This child was and is our Savior. And God tells us why this child was brought into the world. We read in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him Hebrews 2:17 is quoted up there let's jump down to the first John 4:10 and this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins it became sin paid that price on us so the wrath of God could be taken away from us. That's awesome. That's good news. That's why we're celebrating, right? And this is what Christmas is all about. It's about God giving the, us, the world, the best of all possible gifts. The gift that we don't deserve. It's a gift that we haven't earned or can work for. This gift is straight from the God who loves us more than we'll ever know. God became a man in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus, perfect and holy, took the wrath that we deserve in order for us to be pardoned and to escape the wrath that's coming. What a gift. And he wants to do something good in you and through you, folks. This child that Mary brought into the world was no ordinary child. He was and he is God. He was also human too. And he's our Savior. And he was in king, in his King of kings and Lord of lords. So this last point will be really quick. And, we, and folks, I love this last point. I love the second point as well. I love all the points. <laughs> and we could spend a long time talking about this, but whew, if you're having a... Let me, just, let me just preface this. This is out of the notes. If you're having what you think are the most difficult circumstance in your life that, that you can't get out of, or it's bigger than you, or it's too big, read these verses. Read this verse. Luke 1, 37, what's it say? For nothing will be what? Impossible with God. Nothing, not one thing. Friends, the God that we serve is the God who is sovereign over all of his creation. He is the God who, who contains all power and nothing, nothing is impossible with him. Folks, only God can create the world 
out of nothing. Only God could speak it into existence. Only God could split the Red Sea in two. So the Israelites could walk on dry ground. Only God can raise the dead. Only God could tell the wind and the waves. As Jesus shows us, hey, stop. I tell you, next time it's windy and it's raining, you go outside and you tell, you tell it to stop. See if it obeys you. And obeyed the command of Jesus. Only God could cause a virgin to become pregnant. Only God could cause himself to become a man and die for the sins of the world. I mean, folks, nothing is impossible with him. He's that big and he's that powerful. So if you're going through what you think is an impossible circumstance this morning, cry out to the God of of, of possibility. Because he is, and he is able to do anything. Because nothing is too big or really too small for our God. Job 36, 22. Behold, God is exalted in His power, who is a teacher like Him. Psalm 62, 11. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard it. That power belongs to God. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Nothing. So look to your God this morning. God works with and through His servants. He's working within this world. He's he's imminent. He's here. He cares for His world. He has a purpose for His world. And He uses people like us in His world. That's awesome, folks. The baby that Mary brought into the world was no ordinary child. His child was, and he still is. God still is King of Kings, whether we believe it or not. He is who he is, right? That's the thing about truth. It is what it is. This child was and is the Savior. This child was and is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And lastly, friends, nothing. Nothing is too difficult for your God. He's the God who contains all power. So this week, as we celebrate December 25th, which we should celebrate every single day of our lives, folks. Just think about these points. He wants to use you. He wants to put you to rights. He does. And He's your Savior. And there's nothing in your life that's too too big for God. So cry out to Him. If you need to cry out to Him, don't be afraid. Because you're going to find a Father who loves you And He wants you. And He wants to hear from you. So cry out to Him. Let's pray. God, You are good. You know, God, I don't think Your Word is is rocket science. I mean, there are some really hard stuff in there. But Your message is simple. I think the hardest thing about your message, Father, is, 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 is found in our own hearts where there's resistance 
where there's a will in our hearts that, that says, no, I want to do my own thing. I want to do my own. I want to believe what I want to believe. But your message is simple. And sometimes the hardest thing to say is not my will, Lord, but yours. I surrender to you. God, I'm looking upon this audience this morning and, I, and there are stories here. There are things going on in our lives that are not pretty. But you know them all. You know all the details. And you care. You care. And I pray that those who are, are here this morning, they will They'll simply cry out to you. We're thankful that you use people like us, Father. <laughs> Imperfect people. They like to go our own way like dumb sheep. And God, we're thankful that you are the true King. You are the true Lord. There is no other. And God, we're thankful that you're, you're not a God who is limited. The only limitations you have are the ones you place upon yourself, Father. But you're not, you're not startled. You're not surprised when things happen. Because you see it, you know it. And you're sovereign. So Lord, help us to be able to entrust you with our junk. Because we all got it. We have junk in the closet, Father. So may we cry out to you and help us to surrender because you want to change our lives. Father, we're not saved on the basis of our merits, of our works. You know, our obedience to you doesn't make you love us more or any less. You love us. And it's because of Jesus And you're a God of love and mercy. And we're just so grateful that we have the opportunity to work in this world with you. What a, what a privilege that is. May we celebrate you, Father, today and every day of our lives. Especially this time of season. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.